All right, I will say it. I will say it. My favorite Christmas song is Last Christmas by Wham. Okay. I'm a little disgusted. <laughs> Curiosity sparks conversation. Conversation sparks deep thinking, and deep thinking sparks change. Join me, Sam. And me, Des. As we strike up important discussions about the world around us. Humanity has forgotten how to connect with one another. Come along with us as we tear down barriers and have honest conversations with those around us. Human beings may not always agree with one another, but, but honestly, honestly, who cares? Hi guys, um, today we have a special treat for you. It's Sam Square. Hello. Good one. <laughs> Welcome! <laughs> Too bad you couldn't see it. How tall are you? I'm like 5'6". Five, five, I'm 5'5". Five, five. Oh, I dang. thought we were maybe the same height. Oh, no. Okay. Sorry. Anyways, Sam, thank you for being on our podcast. Well, thank you. Why yeah. are we here? Having me? What are we talking about today? We're going to be talking about the power of words. Okay. And more specifically, like the power of storytelling and Ooh. how we can share with each other what we think and how we think and how we see things. So... Okay, let's jump right in. What did you bring? Let's talk. I brought two of my favorite pieces. One is called In the Shelter by Patrick O'Tuma. He's an Irish theologian. I'm Irish. He Are you really? My, grand, my great-grandfather immigrated here from Ireland, yeah. Interesting. He lives in Northern Ireland, which is actually part of England, and he runs a reconciliation center. And so it's really cool. And he, while I was there, was You were in Ireland? I was there. Shut the front door. Yes. I did a study abroad there last semester. Wait! Yep. <laughs> Legit? <laughs> yes. Wait, I think you told me this. <laughs> I think I did Wait, too. did you go with Carly? Yeah. Okay, I did know this. Hi, <laughs> Sam. It's nice to meet you. Anyway, read us your, anyway. your Ireland book. Yeah. yeah, so he wasn't there when I was there, but we had a lot of discussions about storytelling and mm -hmm. we as writers and have the power of words. But anyway, in his book, he has this really good section about the Gospel of John, and I really wanted to share it. So. Mm -hmm. In chapter 6 of the Gospel of John, Jesus feeds a hungry crowd using some bread offered by a small boy. Then he leaves, and a storm comes. The event, often told separately, seems to me to be a part of a broad storyboard about absence, presence, and the changing nature of circumstance. Initially, Jesus is on a mountainside. The Gospel writer makes sure to note that there are a great number of people and a great deal of grass. The people are hungry, and a small boy offers a bread. The people are made to sit on the grass, and somehow, when the boy's bread is shared, there is enough for them all. It is, in a certain sense, a picnic. Much time can be spent wondering whether it was a miraculous multiplication of the small boy's small offering, or whether his offering was the small beginning to a great generosity. Hello to the great generosity. Whether it was a miracle of multiplication or a miracle of generosity is a matter of speculation. Either way, the people ate, and either way, they wished the lord of the hillside, the lord of the picnic, the lord of gen the generosity to become their king. Small wonder. I have joined them in their desire. Their picnic king had an eye for the little voice, and he understood that people were in need. Jesus seemed to be aware of the desire to make him king, and he is made anxious by this desire, and he escapes. He withdraws to the top of a mountaintop, and the people exit the narrative. The disciples, however, do not. They descend to the shoreline, and they ascend into their boat, and there they wait. As they wait, a storm begins to brew, and the storm begins to come close. Still they wait. Eventually, as the storm comes even closer, they decide to move out into the water to cross the lake while they can. They meet the storm. Hello to the storm. I imagine that if a storm were serious enough to cause fishermen to worry, then it must have been dark storm that covered the lights of the night sky. 
a storm that blocked the light of the moon. Their boat would have been tipping and dripping and even hither and thither. There were on the water of chaos, and there was no light, even by which to see the chaos. All they knew was their feeling, and their feeling was the unsteady wood beneath their feet, wood of a boat on an uncertain sea. In the midst of this, they see something, or somebody, on the water coming towards them, and now they seem really afraid. The voice calls to them, it is I. But how could that even be seen what they couldn't see? And how could they have kept their gaze straight when the surface upon which their boat floated was uncertain and unruly stormy surface? It was Jesus walking on the waters that rocked them, walking where he shouldn't walk, being with them in the here of their fear. The gospel writer is a poet, as well as many other things. Even though the disciples are in a rocking boat on a stormy sea, they make to take the water walker into the boat of uncertainty. As they begin to take him into their boat, they immediately reach the place that was their destination. It is as if to say that only in the middle of a storm can we find a truth that we will steady, steady see. But we know that sometimes we search and search and search, but for what we know, what we cannot see, and it still stays dark and stormy. Hello to the dark storm. And this twin story is a story of life. Sometimes it is a stormy and sometimes there is bread to share. Sometimes our picture of God is a food-sharing man on the side of a grass-covered hill. Other times it's more frightening than we can imagine. We may prefer one story over another, but they both happen over and over again. While I am in the storm, someone else is on the hillside and someone else is in the boat watching waves begin to form. Insert, insert block quote MLAAPA in text citation. <laughs> You're right, that was really long. Wow. But I loved that. When I read that the first time, yeah. I was like, this, wow, someone is really on the hillside and someone's in the boat. And, and what's the title of this crazy. book again? And the author? It's called In the Shelter by Patrick Otuma. For those of you who are going to go read this book now. It's fantastic. Wow. Yeah. I love it. I like how he makes the script. Like, I always have trouble relating to scripture when I read it straight out of the Bible, which mm-hmm. sounds a bit heretical, but like, yeah. yeah. I need to hear it in a way that is like more of a modern story in order mm-hmm. to relate it mm-hmm. to my own life as well as like to understand it a bit better. And I think he did an incredible job of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's like one time I saw a live, um, a live uh, musical about the a modern telling of the gospel of Matthew mm-hmm. as in Jesus's crucifixion when he meets his followers and then he's crucified. Mm-hmm. And that like, you hear the story all the time, but to see it modern day be like, here was this weird man with these crazy ideas and they were like the weirdos and the losers of society. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of them literally betrayed him and he died. And I'm like, and that makes you, I mean, this is a whole nother topic for a whole nother time. That's like, wow, would I have followed Jesus? Yeah. Yeah. Because he was an outcast. He was a weirdo. It's true. So, you know, that also kind of puts both of those stories of, you know, the the disciples on the waves and then the, the feeding of the 5,000, right? Yeah. 5,000? 5,000. Um, correct yes um into perspective more i was like i do not want to misquote <laughs> so it's why else did you share that yeah go ahead well i shared it because it's so funny how we can tell like share i try to say share but mixed it would tell anyway <laughs> i love to shell things i love to shell them uh we can tell stories and it just brings it into a different light than if somebody else were to share the same mm-hmm. story yeah and it's interesting because he makes note that we tell those three stories as if they were three different stories, but really it's all in the same mm. chapter of the same book. Yeah, and, so. and I think that, like, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but it just reminds me that, like you said, somebody has to be in one spot for the other person to be, like, to understand where someone's coming from. That means somebody has to be in the bad spot. Mm-hmm. So it's 
obviously going through bad times is never easy, but it's a bit easier and a bit humbling when you can say, hey, just because I'm in the middle of the storm on the sea, there's somebody watching who needs to watch, mm-hmm. and there's somebody on the other shore who needs to to be where they are. So. Yeah. And you will be in one of those places eventually. Exactly. So it's always encouraging to yeah. see that. Mm-hmm. So That's great. Yeah. It was exciting to read that. Okay, so uh, the book that I think um, that best demonstrates the power of words is called The Bell Jar. Um, it's by Sylvia Plath. Um, and this is one of those books that I was actually required to read for a class. So I'm surprised that mm. I like found it. You know, it's one of those books where you're like, I'm not supposed to like this because I'm required to read it. But then I ended up enjoying it. I love those books. I do too. But it was a. it's about um, a woman who, um, in I want to say the 1920s, but it's been a while. I believe she's in the 1920s. She's a teenager and she's dealing with anxiety, depression, um, those kind of feelings, suicide attempts. And, of course, in the 1920s, they put her in an asylum. Oh, my gosh. Mm. Throwback to Changeling we talked about (laughs) last week. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But it does such a good job at explaining. um, So, for those of you who don't know, I struggle with both anxiety and depression. And it's something that I have always had trouble putting into words. You can't. Mm -hmm. It's hard to explain an anxiety attack to somebody or the process. Even, like, going from, like, basic anxiety to like the process it takes to when your anxiety is considered bad Mm. it's really hard to explain either of those things to somebody with words which is frustrating because words are the main way i think we communicate with each other um and this book just does such a good job at both um letting those who do have anxiety and depression know that the way they're feeling is not alone because it explains those feelings and emotions with words in a way that i cannot and i don't think most people can um, but it also uses um, words through through storytelling to explain how, at the beginning of the book, she she obviously has anxiety and depression, but she's okay. Um, and by the end of the book, um, she's tried to commit suicide multiple times. And so you can tell, but if you just read the beginning and the end, it's obviously like a high and a low. But as you read the whole thing, it's very gradual and you almost don't notice it. And so I think through the words she uses to tell the story... It really helps those who don't have anxiety and depression be able to understand the process that it looks like and how you don't even see how bad it's getting because it's so gradual. Mm -hmm. It's crazy that we can give words such power and such a way that you don't even notice the change from one end of a book to this. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, Mm -hmm. I mean, it helps you know you're not alone if you do struggle with that because she's able, like, at one point in the book she has an anxiety attack and the way she explains it with her words is something that I wish I had had before I'd been diagnosed. Mm, mm. But even then, like, I remember we read it in a discussion class, and I was probably one of only, like, three students who understood what she was feeling. Um, And the students who didn't um, were able to say, although I've never experienced this, I've gotten as close as I think I could. And so now, although I can't completely relate to you, I think I can understand a bit better. Mm. Yeah. I love that. I So, fun fact, for people who don't know, I do life coaching and that is like when I, I I actually had a session today when I can put a feeling into fruition verbally, that is like the most like satisfying and I like dare say liberating thing for me to be like yeah. oh my gosh, that's how I'm feeling and now like I'm able to speak that out loud so that way you can understand, and that is like like that's like mind boggling to me. Then I'm yeah. like oh my gosh, yeah. I've like felt this even if it's only for like a week or if it's for a year. It's like wow. 
finally the way I'm feeling I can like put into a word that's not mm-hmm. cliche or I feel like there's something missing. It almost mm-hmm. makes it like justified. Yeah. It's like now that I know how to explain this, the way I feel is justified. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Which is weird that we connect to the two and it's weird that we have to do that, but it helps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's also interesting that feeling of not being able to say the word because you know there's something out there to mm-hmm. explain mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And that gradual like search and the lingering of that thought in your head or like the feeling of it being on the tip of your tongue basically yeah. adds to the anxiety of not knowing or the fear of like the unknown basically mm-hmm. so until how, you liberate yourself by so how do you guys personally like find those words because with me i learn i learn i do self-learning through questions mm. verbally like i'm a mm. very i can't write here's another thing power of words i can't write things or type things and process i have to process out loud also i mm. use a lot of hand motions and body language as we all know that's also processing for me so it's like with me, I learn through questions and people asking me really deep things that I'm not thinking about. And that's how I learn and that's how I come up with the words. So yeah. I'm curious as to how you See, guys I'm the process. opposite. Yeah. So I, I'm a blogger and so I have to mm-hmm. like, like I can do it out loud, but only to myself. Mm. But I have to type what I'm wanting to say and then read it back to me to understand if what I said is what oh, I want to say. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. I'm also a writer. So I write, not necessarily, I do have a blog, but I don't write as consecutive not consecutive consistently Mm -hmm. but yeah the thoughts in my head are just so sporadic Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. i could talk them out loud but it would be more of like a word vomit well and it's so much easier when you're when you have it in front of you and you can see it if you have that word vomit you just copy and paste it back where it belongs yeah yes organize it and then like this Mm -hmm. is what i was feeling this is what i was thinking are you type a Yes. That's part of it Very because you want it to be organized. Yes. And I know so, you're type A too. But. Yeah. And I was like, but then, yeah, I'm also like, because that's, and that's something that I used to see as, as a weakness and now I see as a strength is when I'm processing, I'm so freaking messy. Mm. Like, I'm like, no, wait, that's not what I mean. Like, or, oh, wait, no, that's not like how I'm actually feeling. Mm. Okay. But I like have spoken that. Let's think about that. Why don't I feel that way? So with me, it's like, I'm not afraid of the mess. And I know for some people, it's like, you want to have it. You don't want to have it be explicit. Me, it's like, I learned trial by error, yeah. which is just me and it's not for everybody, which I love that like, that's how I process and that's how you guys process. And there's such opposites, but they're still healing in the <laughs> same way. And they yes. do the same thing. Like you could, for example, you can record your voices and your thoughts and you talk to other people mm-hmm. and you're doing the same thing I do when I share a blog post. It's yeah. just different medium. It's just yeah. exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I when, wouldn't necessarily mm-hmm. say, I don't know if I'm speaking for you on this, but I don't always mind the mess. I just like to present myself in a very organized fashion. Yes, yes, yeah. So there are people who I'll just be like, blah, 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 and then yep, but only certain there. people. <laughs> but only certain people get that. I think it's cool that we're talking... For those of you who don't know, Sam and I are comm majors. The other Sam... Hi. <laughs> a special guest, the better Sam. <laughs> a special no, guest no, Sam no. is not a comm major. And so I think it's unique that we're talking about storytelling. I mean, obviously, you're a writing major. So yes. storytelling is a big aspect there. But that's one of the themes of Sam and I's career field as well, mm-hmm. is storytelling and being able to share the story you want and the story that should be shared in whether it be a specific medium for you or mm-hmm. multiple different mediums like it is for us. Mm-hmm. So I think it's cool that we get to have this conversation with somebody who has a different perspective. Go, Sam, go! So the not better Sam's quote, or... Oh my <laughs> Cut no, that out. No, so the, <laughs> we don't do put I think I'm going to leave now. Um, the... <laughs> <laughs> the good Sam is fanning himself. <laughs> so the piece of writing that I brought, I brought a little piece of writing from an author named Andrea Keen. He wrote 
Um, he is an author and he has written, he, he is kind of like what Des was talking about. He puts, I know like in a lot of his writings, he is able to take feelings and things that people are experiencing and put them into words or things that people are afraid to say or mm. afraid to feel. Mm. And he's like, ha ha ha, you're afraid of this? Snap, there it is. <laughs> um, so that's how he is. So I brought this piece of writing, which can be, I love this because it can be interpreted however you want. Ooh, I'm excited to see how different mm, so, we interpret this. Yes. So this says, We rip out so much of ourselves to be cured of things faster that we go bankrupt by the age of 30 and have less to offer each time we start with someone new. But to make yourself feel nothing so as not to feel anything, what a waste. How you live your life is your business, but just remember that our hearts and our bodies are given to us only once. And before you know it, your heart is worn out, and as for your body... There comes a time when no one looks at it, much less wants to come near it. Right now, there is sorrow and pain. Do not kill it, and with the joy you felt. Wow. <laughs> My brain hurts. That was a good one. Yeah. That was very dense for a very, very small piece. Very dense. There's yes. a lot that goes into that. Yeah. Yeah. I just really, my favorite part is when he talks about the, um, our hearts and our bodies are only given to us once. Mm-hmm. And he's as explicit as to say, like, well, your heart, you know, the heart's a very metaphorical thing that we love to talk about. Like, oh, a broken heart, you know, falling in love, my heart hurts. You know, we use these things. But you just straight up be like, there's going to come a point when no one's going to be attracted to you physically. Mm-hmm. Um, it's such a bold statement to make. And so I already why, reached that yeah, point. So, <laughs> I'm such a potato. Oh, my God. That was a put down. <laughs> Keep it in Say there. Say three nice things about yourself right now. Um, also, Deb Dabbed. Just Deb Dabbed. Oh, Deb Dabbed. Do you even know my name? <laughs> no wonder I give myself put down. Another example of how words have power. Of shell. Or when shell. you share and tell at the same time. <laughs> it's just shell. called show and tell, Sam. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to shell. Um, That's going to be my podcast. Yes. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I would listen to that. We'll start a podcast network. Okay. Because honestly, who cares? <laughs> Literally, who cares? Um, but like, to me, that's that's like a really bold thing to say. Mm-hmm. To be like, let's talk about these, you know, these beautiful metaphors about your heart. But then to be like, oh, also here's this. And that's a very true fact. Like, you know, yeah, there's going to come a, a point in life when your body physically is, you know, going to wear down and be completely broken. And I just think it's really interesting how he says we rip out so much of ourselves to feel nothing as to feel anything. I want to know what, like you two, how you two feel about that because I'm still not so sure how I feel about that. Actually. I think yeah. I feel a little bit the opposite of the way you do, which always happens. Um, but so, and like I am not, like I would have to read this 80 million times to be able to tell you exactly what I think. Mm. But here's what I think, I think, I think. I think right now. Um, Okay. I just did the math. So right now I think squared Sam. uh, I think right now I think that I don't agree with it. Mm. Um, This is why we have these podcasts. You're not wrong. Honestly. Um, Okay. He says we go bankrupt by the age of 30 and have less to offer each time we start with someone new. And he says that fairly early in the quote. And maybe it's because I'm a girl and I'm a romantic at heart, but Mm -hmm. I don't like that. Because I think in my dream, in my fantasy world, by 30, I wouldn't be starting with someone new. I'd be settling down with Mm. someone not new. And so then I think that kind of like defeats the rest of the quote. Like, if you're making yourself feel nothing, that's not necessarily a bad thing. 
Like, I know, I have four goddaughters, and I would make myself feel nothing if they were happy. Like, if my feeling nothing meant that my husband, my children, my goddaughters, my family, if that meant that they felt something, then I would be content with that. Mm -hmm. And so I think when you take out that each time you start with someone new part, I think it changes everything else. Because I did not take it that way. (laughs) Of course, at the end, you kind of get the idea that it's about love. Yeah. But I wrote a piece just recently for one of my classes about how I leave parts of myself through certain interactions with people. And then I go back at the end of the week because I'm empty to retrieve and find the places where I've left myself. Mm -hmm. And that's what this reminded me of. Not necessarily meeting somebody new and the idea of a love life, but somebody new that I'm pouring into Mm. or having a discussion with that takes just even a piece of like just energy or myself out of it Mm -hmm. and it leaves it there until I come back and I can process and pick it back up and then continue on through my week or through my day or whatever it is after that and so I think that's really true in that aspect of we do like pick ourselves apart all the time and it's really just the importance of self-care, you know? <laughs> but, now look at that. Three people who all have very valid opinions about a piece, but, like, completely different aspects. Completely different sides of the and world. Being, yeah. oh, I don't know, respectful about it. <laughs> but honestly, who cares? Who cares? You can do this. This is a thing that people do. You know, they have conversations, conversations. and they're not at each other's throats. <sighs> I'm actually um, at Sam's throat right now. No. Oh my gosh, I'm so uncomfortable. <laughs> you, brought, you brought something else with you, did you not? Yeah. Well, I think we all brought something that mm-hmm. kind of was my idea with this, but yeah. you can tell stories and, and share words with mm-hmm. power in different mediums, and we've kind mm-hmm. of alluded to that with our majors and how we work with words. And like this was very much more of a narrative, and this was a quote that was like very metaphorical and kind of poetic. Mm-hmm. But I also brought a poem. Ooh. Yes. And this, this is... ain't no milk and honey. You know what we're saying? This is not milk and vines. No. <laughs> Don't mock milk and honey because if we need to go around the circle again, I was going to talk about that book. <laughs> I was actually going to talk about Chaos and the Longing, which Fun is fact. by the same author. The reason I said that is because that's the only like poetry book I definitely like the name of. But Besides where the sidewalk ends. Oh! Another beautiful piece. But on the serious note, if anybody wants to buy me something for Christmas, anything like Monk and Honey will suffice. (laughs) (laughs) Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas, everyone! Here's your Milk and Honey. As we play Last Christmas by Wham. Last Christmas. Okay, anyway. That was beautiful. I found this book in a storage unit. No. Shut the front door. Yes. The Lord works in mysterious ways. He does. And I Why were you up, in a storage unit? Yeah. <laughs> we, were, we were cleaning it out, and oh, there were okay. just boxes of books. You were books. being a good Samaritan. Yes. Okay. And there were boxes. <laughs> what? <laughs> sure. Just a good, you know, person. Yeah. He, he lived in it out. for yeah. a few years. Shh. <laughs> <laughs> Mom and Dad, if you're listening. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> um... I looked up the author and can't find anything about him except for this little insert that was taped in the oh book. Oh my goodness. In the book, it even has like... Marion College Library. Yeah. That, I found Thursday, it in Marion. But anyway, it has like the Congress, Library of Congress catalog call number. Can't even find it on their website. And so it's been this amazing book that it just has so much in it. Can you mm. find other copies of it? No. <gasps> I've looked on Amazon. I've looked online. I've looked everywhere. But then the man is, his name is Lewis uh, Newman, and 
he's an immigrant from Russia, I believe. He came over in the 1920s. Uh, and what's it called? Irrelevant. It's called Pebbles and Stone or Pebbles and Sand. And don't try to look for it, people, because you won't find it. <laughs> One of a kind. If I you guess. want it, you gotta talk <laughs> to Sam, it? the special guest. <laughs> yeah, I talk to the better Sam. If you want. <laughs> oh my. But anyway, this one poem is kind of just like a life story mm-hmm. in just a couple oh lines. Okay. And I love it. I'm so... Am I, gonna I read cry? it all the time. I'm going cl- to close my eyes. Okay. It's called In Retrospect. Oh. It says. <laughs> <laughs> Sam's already <Sorry>. crying. <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, it says, How futile it chafes for loved butterflies blazing in the sun, miles and miles from one's touch. Like lost children grown too tall in their own mirrors, locked in their own consciousness. Planting their own weeds or happiness, they scatter like dust in memory's wound. I can't take it when people, like, write about childhood and nostalgia. Like, that that will trigger, like, that will, like, make me cry no matter what. I don't know. Why? Because there is nothing in the world more sacred or precious than the innocence and the purity of a child's heart. It's true. And that's, like, an argument that, like, I know is, like, very, you know, (laughs) it's an argument that's very arguable. Um, yeah, I was going to say I don't agree. But, like, I, like, Landside by Fleetwood Mac, like, that's a song that will make me cry. Like, when she says, can the child in my heart rise above? Or there's a song by Tony Bennett. Um, he actually did a cover of it. It's from some musical, but it's called Growing Pains. And it's literally just about getting older. And, like, even says, like, when you're not quite so sure that mom is always right, when your dad isn't president of your heart anymore, mm. you know, when you when you don't cry for every toy in the window... It's because you have growing pains. It's because you're growing up. And he's like, and there's nothing wrong with you. You're just growing up. And that to me is like, that poem, when I hear that, I'm like imagining somebody leaving, like transitioning officially from their childhood to adulthood, like in a sad, like in, and it's really sad. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Whenever like I hear a poem or a song about like children or the innocence of a child's heart or something like that, that's like what that will like trigger me. I don't know. That's how I feel. I think it triggers me for the opposite reason. Mm. Um, Because I did not have, like, a good or innocent childhood. And so I think when I read things like this, it makes me either sad that somebody else has that good childhood that I didn't get to experience. Mm. Or it makes me hopeful for what my children will hopefully have if I'm able to give them that. And so I think, like, I feel Mm. the same emotions you do, but the opposite way. That's beautiful. Yeah. That is really awesome. I love that. Go team! I know, go team. So why did you why did you choose to share that with us? I I don't know. I always go back and read this poem. I think it's a really good reminder that you're always gonna grow up. Mm-hmm. And so always looking back, you're gonna be like, Oh, I was a child, you know? And being just reminded to to live in that moment of chasing the butterflies, even though you will never touch them, they're miles and miles from your your hand. Mm-hmm. It it's the whole idea. Mm. of going after it because eventually we will grow too tall for our mirrors and we won't be growing happiness we'll be planting our weeds and so like this idea of growing up is a very slow process but then looking back in retrospect it's very quick yeah like when i was when i was 18 i like it hit me like within a matter of weeks just like in the middle of january i remember when i was 18 i like realized how impactful my childhood was Mm -hmm. as the person i was like I was discovering the music I listened to as a kid, like the music my parents played, the music I was raised on, books I read, the movies I saw, the things I did, like the way I would run to the back of the hill 
behind our family's house and perform the opening number of The Sound of Music <laughs> by myself. <laughs> Very vulnerable of me um, to admit that. No, I would, yeah, I would do that. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, the things I did and loved mm-hmm. and hated mm-hmm. and what people said to me, fun fact, I was so bullied as a child. Like, those things really impacted mm-hmm. And, like, my faith, you know, I was saved when I was five years old. Like, those things truly impacted me way more than I realized. And it didn't hit me until one random week in January when I, like, I turned 18. I began to finally understand the heaviness of, oh, that's why I love, that's why I love Tony Bennett so much. That's why I have such um, a love for the Sound of Music vinyl. That's why I, <laughs> like, which, you know, is true. Is like, and that's why I'm so passionate about being kind to people because I was treated like this. That is, that hit me when I was in high school. Yeah. But anyways, that's just me. <laughs> so before we conclude, we're talking about the power of words. And I know we've, t- we've talked, which is really interesting tonight, about written words, um, spoken words, words that we say to ourselves, words that we say to other people, questions we ask. So I don't know. Sam, as a, like, as a writing and philosophy, correct? Theology. Philosophy and theology. Philosophy. I was just about to say, yes. and theology. So those three, which like... Okay. Like, wow. go for you, good yeah, Sam. Like, go for fanning, you. We stand. Um, what? Like, how do you just? I don't know why. So let's just why. Why are you so? Why do you feel like this is such an important topic? Like for the people listening, if there's anything you want them to take away from you know just the simple concept of the power of words, which is what this podcast episode is titled, what would you say to those people? Well, I just think. As a society, we take words very, we just take words for granted and we use them all the time, every day. We're using them right now. We use them in the ordinary conversations of just passing of how are you doing? How's the weather? How's life? Uh, To things we hear on the news and how we portray people in different lights and how we can use it to, to belittle somebody. And we might even be doing that without even realizing it because words have impacts on people that we won't even know unless they share that with us. Use them wisely, I guess, is the biggest thing. And that's one of the lessons I've learned through all of the classes I've taken, through all the people I've met, through just my life experiences. Words have power even if you don't give them power. Mm. And so you need to use them wisely and use them carefully and be generous with them, of course. But do it in a way that you always leave that person, hopefully better than when you came mm. to meet them i love that that's perfect wow. thank you for coming today <laughs> and being here and talking to us well, happy holidays guys happy holidays yes happy holidays enjoy I mean, the snow unless you live somewhere where there's no snow then enjoy that too we've had really yeah, nice no. snow here it's disgusting oh, okay <laughs> the power of words everybody <laughs> bye. bye we'll talk later Hey guys, thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Honestly, Who Cares? Join us next week when we'll talk about... Wait a minute. (laughs) We don't even know that. But honestly, who who cares? cares?